Hello, welcome to Hattrick. I am Jordan Tyler Coltman. I'm joined by Elliot Tanti. Elliot, the Edmonton Oilers have put an X next to their name in the standings. They've officially clinched a playoff spot. Uh, we will talk about that shortly, but you know what it means? We dropped our annual hype video, and on a scale of one to ten, how hyped are you? Oh, like, Oilers dude, playoff video, dude, dude, that that video is out of control. Like I was watching it last night, I was literally vibrating. I showed it to my family today. My sister, my it was like it was ten seconds into the video, and my, and it paused because it was buffering or something. And my sister was like, "Wow, I am really hyped right now." And my wife, who's a Canucks fan, was even like, "That got me excited for the Oilers." <laughs> like, so it was. It's 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 really it's it's like top of the line JDC content right there. There you go. Well, it wasn't just JDC. We had some great collaboration. There's some Campbell in there. There's some people from around the ordinary podcasting team uh, contributed to that one for sure. But it was fun to put together. Uh, we had a fun one last year. We got a new one there. So if you don't know what the hell we're talking about, go check it out. It's on YouTube. It's on our YouTube page. Um, you can just search Oilers Hype Video. It's coming up now to the top of those search engines because it's getting lots of traction, which is great. You can also check it out. It's on our website uh, for the short time. So if you want to get pumped up about the Oilers playoffs, head over to OrdinaryPodcasts.com. It's it going to go viral. It's going to go viral. I'm certain. I'm certain of it. It's so good. Uh, well, I appreciate it, and we we appreciate everybody checking it out. Anyway, yeah, definitely check it out. It's a lot of fun. We do it each year, especially if the Oilers make the playoffs. It makes uh, this early. It makes it easy because you get a nice run up to it. You got a couple weeks still left here in the regular season. We'll talk about that in, in topic two, but until then, let's jump to it. Here's topic one. So the NCAA basketball tournaments, men's and women's, are wrapping up March Madness, as it is colloquially called by the cool kids. And uh, we're here in the finals weekend, both uh, tournaments wrapping up in, in Texas. The women's finishing Sunday in Dallas, and the men's will finish Monday in Houston. I don't know how much hoops you've caught, Elliot. It's kind of one of those weird things that like nobody really follows uh college basketball even when they tell you they do you got to be pretty hardcore and like you know like an alumnus of some school to really give a a huge hoot all year round around uh basketball until march and then everybody seems to be an expert everybody's making their brackets and they all know what's going on brackets busted like on day two of this tournament it was wild uh for both the men's and the women's i should say let's give some props to the women's because the lsu uh tigers clinched their first ever ncaa championship for the women's program um uh, beating Iowa, a big, big upset there, and a lot of uh, very, very excited uh, purple and yellow clad fans in Dallas for LSU. Let's talk about the women's tournament for for a second before we talk set up the men's tournament, which of course, as I said, wraps up Monday. Uh, the women's tournament, I think, has grown in in popularity more and more each year. We're seeing that. Uh, obviously, uh, the one place where like college. Uh, college is like the one place where where men's and women's sports often have an opportunity to get the same amount of of attention or at least the same amount of sort of funding and support if those programs are good. And it certainly, as we've seen, the women's basketball has just exploded. The WNBA has helped with that, all kinds of um, growth in that sport. And now it's continuing to do so. Did you watch any of the women's games? Did you catch any of the highlights for it? And, and you know, are you feeling the same way I am about sort of the positivity and growth around the women's game? 
So I this is the one year I haven't watched a lot of basketball, but this is the first year where I've watched just as much women's as men's, which is awesome. Um, and I think speaks to I think what you're trying to get at here, which is just there's no better sport at promoting the women's side of the game than basketball. Uh, we talk a lot about the WNBA, but it's so great that the women's side of the NCAA tournament this year was so well covered, so so accessible on television. Was just around, was around just as much as the men's. At least it felt like it. I, I mean, it's never. You know, we're still not in the case where it's equity, but it, we're getting closer in terms of that side. And isn't that great for basketball and for women's basketball in general? Right? Like these are you know, the the whole point of this is you know being able to see yourself play. There are young women. There are young girls that are going to watch and say like, I want to go to college. I want to play on a college team. Look at this. This is amazing. So. You know, didn't didn't watch a lot just because basketball isn't a, my game. Like, you know, we we joke about it all the time on the show. Did try and catch a bunch. Found it really accessible, really easy. I think the storylines are great. Bunch of rivalries emerging, personalities emerging. Um, again, basketball just knows how to do it in terms of building the women's side of their sport. And here's just another example of it. Yeah, and and I, you hit the nail on the head when you said that it's sort of continuing to get more and more television exposure. I know TSN had a lot of the women's games. We continue to see a lot of them uh, get opportunities to be on television, which is awesome. Something I also noticed this weekend, and I don't know if you caught any of the highlights from this. It was something I had no idea even existed because I'm not very connected into the college game. But there is apparently a, like, separate from the NCAA tournament, there is a... Uh, national championship for three point and dunk. It's basically like just a skills competition where like the best college basketball players for those skills are invited each year to this specialty tournament. What's really cool though, is the men and the women compete together. Now let's be honest, almost no women are going to be competing in the dunk contest. It's just a vertical reality of how that sport is played and and bodies. Uh, But the three point competition is gender neutral men and women competing simultaneously. And this year, for the first time it was won by a woman kate uh major of iona uh i guess it's iona college yeah um this very small school in in new york she actually won she put she had she averaged 20 points per round and ended up winning with a 52 percent um shooting percentage the guy she was in the final against it was sort of a head-to-head he dropped 19 she dropped 23 uh to win it so that's pretty crazy she's also and this was my favorite part of this whole thing she's five foot six the man she was competing against is six foot seven like it was a ridiculous thing to watch uh as a television product because it looked like a child competing with like a fully grown adult like it was hilarious but she 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 made you know so it's fun to see a little bit more of that when we're getting and and as I say, college is the best opportunity. I think has the best opportunity to continue to push uh, for some more of that coverage and all of that. Okay, so Monday night we have the men's final, San Diego State, which I know dear to your heart as a San Diego. San Diego is like like the sister city to Edmonton at this point for you. Uh, taking on um, UConn, the Huskies. This is a four-five matchup. Who do you have? Yeah, of course I got to take San Diego. San Diego's like basically, as you said, it's like my second hometown now. Uh, between the Padres and now this amazing run, uh, and they've actually got a really good basketball team and really, really strong defensively. So uh, it's not a bad bet. I mean, I, I think what's fun about this, it, you know, just sort of extrapolating on this, and I think it's something to watch is we've seen um, the impact that COVID has had coming out of the, the impact of COVID and coming out of COVID how it's really negatively, or not negatively, but it's really impacted, I think, 
um, the national ranking system in the United States. We've seen it in football as well, too, uh, a little bit as well, where it just seems to really, uh, you know, schools rankings kind of build on each other year after year after year after year. You can see kind of teams grow and and fall back. Um and because of the interruption to collegiate sports because of COVID, the, the, the actual rankings and what how teams actually stack up against each other has been definitely impacted. And I think there's no better example than this NCAA tournament. It's going to be interesting. I think that's probably going to write itself over the next couple of years. But we're still in this weird time where like anything can be anything and there's tons of. Uh, and, and basketball is always kind of ripe with upsets anyway, but really a lot in this in this tournament has been really interesting. There's this guy I follow on Instagram. I, I don't I forget his name, um, but he basically bet a hundred dollars on the underdog of every game, and he's making money right now because obviously the odds are so good when you when you pick an underdog and and they win. Uh, and there's been so many upsets this year, and uh, I, I just think that speaks to the fact that like the right the college ranking system is just so messed up right now. So it's really exciting. I'm excited for the game. Go San Diego. That's where I'm at. I mean, I I, I don't have a dog in the race, so I uh, I'll pick the only dog that is there. I'll go with the Huskies then, just to be different. How about that? Sounds good. All right, we'll see who's right. Neither of us really know what the hell we're talking about with it. So uh, it's a bit of a crapshoot to begin with. Uh, that's topic one. Topic two this week is brought to us by Ellipses Thinking. Ellipses Thinking is the newest podcast from the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Host Greg Dollar coltman shares his conversations with people actively engaged in their own creative adventures, those who identify as artists, and those who choose to experience life through an artistic lens. They shed light on relationships that shape and inspire us as we meet the challenges, discoveries, and learnings we make when we courageously invite our creative spirit forth. You can subscribe or follow anywhere you get your podcasts. All right, we teased it off the top. Uh, The Edmonton Oilers have clinched a playoff spot. They will be in the dance. The question now is just as who their partner will be. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So the Oilers have been the hottest team in the NHL over the last 20 games. Since the trade deadline, they've been absolutely on fire. Uh, They're playing really, really good hockey. And even when they've been um, having some of those old bad habits creep in, they're still managing either to pull out wins or to lose in overtime. So they're stealing points away uh, from situations where they shouldn't. But in the last week or so, I mean, they are 9-0-1 in the last 10, which is phenomenal. Um, Really, truly phenomenal. Uh, the Boston Bruins were the hottest team for the first 95 days of the regular season. Since then, the Edmonton Oilers have been the hottest team for over the last 80 days. They have been absolutely on fire. So, question is, will they finish second? Will they finish third? Can they catch the Golden Knights and finish first? Obviously, on the pace they're on, all three are big options because the reality is that both the Kings and the Knights also have not been losing a lot. Uh, the Oilers have played both of them twice in the last couple of weeks. Uh, and the Golden Knights have a game in hand on both of them. So the big question is, where do you think they will finish? And then moreover, who do you think they will play? And who do you want them to play is really where we're playing at here. So what do you got, Elliot? What, what, look into your crystal ball. Where do the Oilers finish and who do you want them to be playing? Realistically so, and in the perfect scenario. I think... 
the game tomorrow or Tuesday against uh, the Kings. So when you listen to this, it'll be the game tomorrow. Yeah, uh, is really sort of the telltale sign, right? If they win that game, and they, God forbid they figure out how to do it in regulation, uh, they will have taken seven of the possible eight points against Vegas and LA in the last in the four games that they played them in the last little bit. And you know, I think if they win that game based on strength of schedule, like the Oilers just play bottom feeder teams, except for Colorado in the second last game of the season for the, to, to, to close out the year, they have to be your odds on favorite to win, to win the division, which has got to be their ultimate goal. I think that's best case. So what, what do I think is going to happen? What do I want to happen? So one, okay, we watched that game on LA and that's going to be a really telltale sign in terms of what I think is going to happen. What I want to have happen is them to win the division, play one of the wild card seats, and let the LA Kings and Vegas Golden Knights beat the crap out of each other in the first round. That's that's you know all three of those teams want to be the one that wins the division and watch the other two fight each other. That's that's what we're all talking about. That's what the talk has been since we started here. That has to be your goal if you're the Edmonton Oilers, and it's a, it goes to show you what a massive advantage going into the playoffs it would be if you win the division. Now they're behind the Golden Knights by two points. It, Golden Knights have a game in hand. I mean, the Oilers basically have to win out to have any chance. It's not impossible given the way that they're playing. And again, like they're their, their, their strength of schedule. So that's best case scenario. That's what I'm hoping for. Um, if not, I think you'd much rather play the Golden Knights than the LA Kings because the LA Kings are just tough to play against and they hate the Oilers and there's a rivalry there. And we all saw what they did last year. So that's kind of where I'm at. I don't know. Where are you at? Well, the challenge is, as you say, I mean, you get to play LA on Tuesday, you beat them, you're ahead of them by a point. The problem you face is that they play the Golden Knights on Thursday. So that's a lose-lose for the Oilers as far as the standings are concerned, because one of those two teams is winning. And as you said, God forbid, let's hope that game doesn't go to overtime. Then we're handing out points because if, if the Kings win it, they're leapfrogging you again, but at least the two of you are getting closer to the Golden Knights. And if if Vegas wins, they they pull ahead and continue to, to, to lead. So it's a challenge either way. You're going to have to hope that outside of those games, the, the the Kings lose to Colorado. Possible. Colorado's playing better. But then they play the Canucks and the Ducks, and you can't hope for either of those two teams to be beating the Kings, frankly, unless the Kings are starting to think about the playoffs and they're just not showing up for them. Uh when you look at the night schedule, it becomes even more frustrating because you have, again, that Kings game, but then they play the stars. That's a, that's a tr tricky one. And then they play the Kraken twice to finish the season. Now at this point, you know, I think we, we can, let's say they even, they split those games, right? As you say, the Oilers basically have to win out. They, they, they I'm sorry. They also play the wild and the predators, the wild, they beat handily four one the other night, but, you know, the Wild are still a good team. They're leading their division. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. The Predators, I, I think, is a gimme for Vegas at this point. So I would say best case scenario, the Oilers finish second, just in terms of the reality of what the math is. So obviously they'll play the Kings at that time. Frankly, the way we watched them play the Kings the other night felt like a playoff game. It felt like the kind of game where, yes, it was 2 nothing, and you could say it could have easily been, you know, 2-1 or 2-2 two -two or whatever. Stuart Skinner stood on his head, played really well. But I think it's actually better long-term for the Edmonton Oilers to have to face a difficult team in round one because it sets you up 
if you are able to beat that team and you have to be able to beat every team to get to the finals, regardless of when you face them, you know, you, let's say you end up in the first place and, and the Kings beat the gold Knights. Oh, look, you're playing the Kings again. Now the stakes are just higher. Cause it's round two. I'd rather play the Kings again, beat that, overcome that hurdle, move into the round in the second round with confidence, knowing that you've beat what you would argue is one of the best teams there. And you're either going to face the golden Knights who have, you know, probably beat up on the Kraken or the Kraken sleep slip by and have all of this underdog mojo and you're the better team. So it, either way, it at the end of the day, I watch how the Edmonton Oilers have played in the last 10 games, 9-0-1. They've beat the Kings, they've beat the Knights, they beat the Kraken. They're beating every team that they're eventually going to play here and they're doing it in different ways. We're seeing tighter defensive hockey. You can give lots of credit to Jack Campbell and lots of credit for Stuart Skinner for those last two games. And, and a lot of people won't be like, oh, well, the Oilers won 6 nothing. Is that really a great shutout for Jack Campbell? He faced the same number of shots as the Ducks goaltenders. The Ducks put a lot of pucks on net. He still played well. But in both of those two games, we saw better team defense than we have seen from the Edmonton Oilers in a decade. They are playing the system. They are buying in to the system. And I think that at this point, I'll take all comers. Like anybody who wants to play the Edmonton Oilers right now is going to have an uphill battle. They are playing the best hockey they've played all year. They look sharp. Their offense is explosive. God help you if you take a penalty because right now like that it's it's dialed. I think both goalies regardless of of where you go and it'll be Stewart's net to start. I think that that's a pretty foregone conclusion at this point. I think both goaltenders are capable of keeping their team in the hockey game. And we've seen how it goes. Look last year in the first round, like the Oilers came out and had a slow start. The Kings got up on them in game one. And then the Oilers drubbed them in game two and three and then lost to like, we don't know how any of these series are going to play out. It's going to be interesting. We have to hope for health, <laughs> no more injuries, none of that kind of stuff. Frankly, I'd go for a Kings matchup round one. I think there's going to be some energy and some animosity and you're going to have, you know, it'll, it'll be a, heavyweight bout to get to the second round. I like it. The I'll leave you with this. The best predictor for overall standings uh, outside of obviously the number of points is goal differential. It has been for a number of years. The Oilers are up almost 20 goals on the nearest competition, which would be by the, the, the golden Knights. Now there's still five games to play and that can change. Um, but uh, right now, based on goal differential, the Oilers are the best team in the league, in the division, actually in the conference, I think are pretty close to it. Um, and so that's what I'm, that's what I'm leaning on. But like, I, I'm sort of with you, you're going to have to beat everyone. I'm really interested to see what's going to happen. There's sort of three teams vying for that final, those final two wild card slots. It's either Winnipeg, Seattle, or Calgary. I think at this point, that's going to be interesting. You, you, you could hypothetically see an Oilers flames round one, which is also just like, uh, would be a hellish fight too. So lots, lots still left to be decided. Uh, and that's great. That's good for hockey. That's good for us. It's exciting. Yeah, the the just to cap your point there, 52 is the magic differential number for the Oilers. It ties them for second in the league with the Carolina Hurricanes. So it's the best in the West, and it's the second best in the league, as I say. Well, if you're not counting Boston. Who has a 120-point differential. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. is insane. And yet, and yet, the Edmonton Oilers do lead the league in goals for, which should surprise no one considering you have two guys over 100 points. You've got two guys over 50 goals, one guy with almost 70, and uh, I think three or four players all over the 40 point or the 40 goal mark, or at least knocking at the door. If I think I'm or you think get 100 points this year, too. It's exactly. Crazy. So the Oilers offensively, not a problem. They are absolutely dialed. They just need to keep the puck out of their net, and they have been doing a better job of that 
as of late. All right, let's leave it there. That's topic two. Hey, I'm Sayer, and I love Marvel. And I'm Kaylee, and I love someone who loves Marvel. (laughs) And we're watching through the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, or MCU, in release order. There's another order. For Kaylee's first time. And Sayer's 85th. (laughs) Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find MCU. And me! Sayer's obsessed! And Kaylee's the best! Okay, topic three. Uh, this is, I guess, like a blind side. We're not going to tell. I haven't told Elliot what topic this is. Uh, so I want an honest and genuine reaction to this. Um, if the UFC is human cockfighting, as many people have argued it is, what the hell is slap fighting? Is this not the stupidest thing you've ever seen? So Dana White, the, the the owner of the UFC, or the again, maybe not the owner anymore, but the commissioner of the UFC, or whatever the hell, the the El Jefe, the top of the UFC there, uh, running the show there, has invested along with Mark Wahlberg and some other celebrities in development of a US-based slap fighting league. We've seen videos online of like this Russian thing going on. Basically, two competitors stand across a table, across a small little table from each other, and one by one they they slap their opponent in the face as hard as they possibly can. And if the opponent survives the slap and doesn't get knocked out or fall down or anything like that, they get, we go back and forth shot for shot. I mean, if there isn't a more blatant attempt at creating CTE, than literally barehanded slapping a human being in the face, 300 pound men literally slapping each other in the face. I don't know. Like I can't think of a stupid, more stupid thing. We're, we're, we're 2023. Clearly someone's willing to pay to watch this shit, but I don't get it uh, personally. And I'm very confused by it. And, uh, and, and also like, I don't know. Anyway, uh, thoughts, Elliot, can you think of something dumber? Uh, if you were to give me a hundred guess, guesses at what this topic three was going to be, I, you could have given me a thousand and I would never suspect that you'd be bringing up the, uh, the slap league stuff. Uh, though I, you know, like everyone, a guilty pleasure. I've it's come across an Instagram feed or two on me too, and of course, you, I've I've watched it somewhat in awe, somewhat in fear uh, of what these people are putting themselves through. I mean, this is the thing with these combat sports and and anything that Dana White touches is that it always seems so obscure and weird and like amoral. And then 10 years down the road, it's like mainstream and normal. And that's like what happened with the UFC. And I wonder if we're not headed in that direction. I mean, I guess my initial, it's very, like, I haven't thought about this. So I'm really going off the top of my head here. Some of this feels like it's the kind of thing that like gambling is made for, you know, and, and sports, sports betting is just going to, uh, people are chomping at the bit to, to sort of, bet on who wins, how fast they go down. It just seems like that's kind of what it is. Um, I just, it feels different from UFC in the sense that like the UFC, there's kind of three ways that you can win a fight. There's like the technical knockout, a referee ending a fight, uh, you know, a submission and then an actual knockout. Um, and there's like skill involved with that. Not to suggest there's an immense skill and slapping, I guess. I don't know. 
this is a weird take. I, 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 it just doesn't feel the same because it just, it's, it's just so linear and one dimensional. It's how hard can you hit and can you, hit, and how strong your chin is basically. I don't know, man. It's, it seems like it's not, I don't think it's going to be something we're covering. That's just what I'm going to say. I think that's a fair assessment. I just wonder, like, obviously there's a few sort of odd or kind of novel, uh, I don't know what the right word is, recreational things that have slowly been developed into sports, more organized, like developed sports leagues in recent memory. I'm thinking pickleball. I'm thinking, you know, I don't know, even like cornhole. It's like these things that used to be like backyard activities. I don't feel like there was a lot of people just like sitting around being like, Hey buddy, do you want to have a slap fight? And that it sort of caught on grassroots. Like this feels very, I mean, barbaric is the wrong word. It just feels like medieval. It feels stupid. I mean, like it just feels very odd. I mean, I've watched some of these videos too, and they're very unsettling. As you say, you're you, like, as I said, I don't think there's an easier way to incite CTE than this. I mean, short of literally just taking like a baseball bat and hitting the other person in the, in the face with it. Uh, so anyway, I mean, I, I, I bring it up somewhat, uh, facetiously uh, as a question of whether or not we should really be taking any of it seriously. But the point is people clearly are, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how it evolves. It's funny you say combat sport because it, I mean, one guy is literally defenseless while the other person just slaps them in the face. Well, this is what I mean. Like, isn't the person, doesn't the person that go first, like, aren't they really advantaged in this? You'd think so. I mean, I guess at the, at uh, you'd have to flip a coin. I don't know. How do they determine who goes first? They should slap each other at the same time. That's how they do it. Like a face off. No, they slap off. They should a slap off. That doesn't. That just sounds inappropriate. Um. Uh. It made me think of another odd sport that's gotten a little bit of uh, social media attention, and I wonder if you think this will catch on. Have you seen this chess boxing? No. Okay, so there's this weird sport that's. Again, as I say, there's some videos of it online and social media. Basically, you have two competitors. They play speed chess on a clock and they have 30 seconds. They play chess at the end of the 30 seconds, regardless of how many moves each player has made. They have to stand up and then there's three minute rounds of boxing. And then at the end of the three minute round, if both competitors are still on their feet, they sit back down and they carry on the chess match and that you win by either checkmating your opponent or knocking them out. Do you think this has legs? Uh, chess has really taken off in the last couple of years. So I could totally see that, that, uh, that taking off for sure. I don't know that, man, you know, it's a great idea. It's really, I, I don't know, man. I used like, Honestly, I can't keep up these days. You know, Trump's been indicted. There's a war going on in Europe. Stuff. So I do. The, I do have chess and box. We're, we're mixing chess and box. Yeah, yeah. I've got one like, more. Where are we at? It's brains we're, we're, and brawn. Brains and brawn. I've got one more thought though on the slap one, and I wanted to get. So I'm just gonna run this up the flagpole here before we finish, and just see what you're thinking. So Dana you, White's Dana White's you? investing. Well, because you know, like. I'm bored. It's a Sunday night and I had some ideas. I just spitballing. So Dana White's invested in this. As I said, like Mark Wahlberg, they've got some other celebrities who are kind of into this sport and they want to get this thing moving. Is there not though, like a golden opportunity 
for the official ambassador of this league to be Will Smith. <laughs> no? Oh, that's enough. I can't handle this anymore. Thank All right. You. That, Thank that, you that is that. our Thank you for that. That that is our show. Uh, thank you for indulging us. Thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate it. As always, please go check out the Ordinary Podcasting website. That's ordinarypodcasts.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next week, Elliot, that was Hattrick. Hattrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Dyler coltman and Braden Dyler coltman You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.